Well, it's good to see you this morning. Y'all look exhausted from all that shoveling, right? Oh, my word, isn't this terrible? You'd think we live in Chicago in January or something. What is this mess? You had a little fun with snow this morning, kind of a, a nice little surprise? Yes, I did. So I did my little budget surplus purchasing that I always do with student stuff. I get a bunch of random things that I can use like the following year with camp and whatever. So I'm carrying out a giant box of Amazon stuff that's piled above my head. And I bring it out to my car, I put it in the truck, I get in my truck, I close the garage door, and all of a sudden as I'm backing out, I see my dog playing in the front yard. He's not allowed in the front yard. I don't even know how he got out into the front yard, but my dog loves snow. So he's freaking out. Riley had to open up the back door of my truck to trick him into thinking that we were going on a trip. So this wildly fluffy, snowy dog decided to jump into the back of my truck, and she grabbed him, dragged him back inside. But yes had more fun with the snow this morning than I, I love that. I love that you learned one of the most fundamental uh, rules of parenting. Trick your kids. That's good. Come yeah. on, come on, yeah. come on. Boom, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. No, it's been, I mean, it was so beautiful coming in this morning, and, and we're ready to go. I, hopefully yesterday you received your uh, Southfield update, and in that we had some, some things to pass along to you. We have that, that passage every week. They love you to read or, or listen to the night before, and one of the things I discovered yesterday is that I was actually able to give you a link uh, to the, the voice version of this on Dwell. So you can click on it and go there directly. If you don't have the app, you're still able to go ahead and, and listen to that. So um, you've got that. We told you last week that um, our post office box is kind of officially shut down now. All the mail is coming here. So if you're sending me a letter or if you're sending in an offering or if your offering comes from a financial institution, you'll want to get that change made. I, it's funny, I, I need to find out from, from someone who's lived here all their life how to pronounce that street name. I say Eames, mom says Ames, Manuka, Manuka. I, I mean, you know, six. It's, <laughs> Route 6 is what I normally say. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, you want to you make sure to get that, that change made. And um, we asked you to go ahead as well from last week to, to give us an idea of just, you know, what are some of the things you learned during your, during your 2020 journey? And a few of you have already gone ahead and responded to that. And, you know, I love that. It's not going to, you don't have to worry. You're not going to come up as a, a future sermon illustration or something like that. But, but for me, I think it's an important piece of shepherding to learn what's going on in your heart. A lot of times when we're talking on Sunday morning about, you know, what, what our themes are going to be, it comes from looking at God and His Word and looking at the lives of people and saying, God, where are you speaking to us right now? So those things are, are really helpful for me in the formation of that. One of the things you told me the other day is you've, you've, you've slammed out like four, four weeks of lessons or something for youth group. I mean, you're I'm ready, ready for January. You're ready to go. Yeah, this for the is first great. time in my life, I have an entire month of stuff planned. Awesome. It's, man, I'm telling you, 31 changes things. <laughs> uh, 31 in 21, right? No, um, I'm, I'm excited because we go back to our normal schedule starting tonight. Revive meets from 6 to 8 for the high schoolers. Junior high meets 6.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday. And we're doing some pretty cool series. Tonight uh, with high school, we're starting a series called Brand New You. And that's not some hippie new aged, you know, <laughs> let's just figure out who we are. No, completely the opposite. We're going to debunk all the different ways that our world tries to say just be you or do your thing or 
And we're going to use biblical truths to look at what does it mean to be a new creation in Christ and kind of debunk uh, prosperity gospel and all these different things, all these different ideas that kind of creep in uh, to the, the Christian circle. Uh, so it's going to be a, a good, fun, challenging series to start off the year. And Wednesday, I can't tell you what we're doing uh, because it's, it's a little messier and a little uh, weirder than we've ever done, and I don't want to totally give it away. But 6.30 to 8.30, the next three Wednesdays, if you're not there, junior hires, you are going to miss out on some Makes, makes me want to be in junior fun. high. Yeah. Sounds, sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. So, uh, I, I do have some uh, student ministry-related news. Uh, ben Mott came and stayed with us for a few days this week, and we got to talk to him, and you know, we said what we're doing around here, and I said, yeah, and last Sunday in church we said that we're going to Green Lake if Green Lake is open, and I'm not going to try to imitate his British accent, in part because he watches, and, and that would feel really bad, but, but he said, uh, we're going to be open. We're going to be open. So, so we're uh, going and we're staying so for a month. We're, we're, we are going to be going to Green Lake. We'll, yes. we'll get that call in this week, get that week settled. Kind of a, a funny year because even though there has been no school, there has been school. So trying to figure out when school ends and all is, is going to be a bit of a trick. But, but that's on. We already said last week day camp is on. And the other thing we're doing uh, starting next week is, is the shift from four services to three. So eight will stay where it is. You can keep coming to exactly what you're doing. Nothing changes for you. Nine o'clock, show up, you're here. You'll have a couple more friends next week because uh, 10, 10 is going to either go, you know, some of them are going to come with you or stay where they are, and then 11 is going to be shifting to 10.30. So we'll, we'll be back to eight, nine, 10.30. If, if distance is important to you, you have a couple of options. One is to come to 8 o'clock. There, there's plenty of distance there, and, um, and we're, you know, that, that, that service is designed for that. We come in and out this door, so uh, that's perfect for you. The other is, if you, if you want to just kind of stay separated from the crowd some, we will send out an invitation for you this week to go ahead and make a reservation if you want. And that'll be, we'll have your name on a seat over here. And again, if you want to go in and out this way so you avoid the crowd, you can do that. But, but I think for, for a lot of us, we're, you know, the way we're handling this, I think, is the way it should be handled, which is uh, we're adults, we know the risks, we're, we're, you know, we're doing what we can and paying attention to that. So, um, so Next week, 8, 9, 10, 30. Uh, kids' programs offered during both 9 and 10, 30. So that's, that's back, to, back to where it was. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Did I miss anything? Well, there is one more thing, because we have that? a video that you're about to play that uh, if you haven't had the uh, extra shot of espresso in your coffee this morning, uh, it is truly a go get them, fire you up video. And I'm going to send it to Mitch Trubisky today because we need <laughs> this win. Mitch, you need to get fired up and take down the Packers. Mitch, make Mitch the needs some juice. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah it's, it's terrifying me to think that it could be a Packers-Bills Super Bowl. Oh, my word. Wouldn't that be Not fun? Not going to happen. Let's hear the energy. Let's go.
I want one of those color bomb machines. Wouldn't it be the best thing to come down in the morning, you walk into the kitchen, boom, 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 here I am. Yeah, all right, a lot of fun. I want you to do something that, that might be a bit of a tough exercise, but, but go with me on this. Head back into the closet of your mind right now. Go ahead and, 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 and transport yourself back to January 3rd, 2020. Go ahead, go back one year and just think about where you were and what you were thinking. Think about the resolutions you set or your word for the year. Think about the plans you had in mind, the, the things you hoped to accomplish in the year ahead. Think about the, the places you knew you were going to go. You were going to go on vacation to this place. You were going to go to this wedding. You were going to go to this event. You, you had the year planned out. You knew exactly what was coming. And then March came and er, the, you know, the brakes screeched and we all went to this stop. And, and now we, we had no idea what in the world we were going to do. How are we going to, how are we going to go from here? All those plans were put on hold. We enter this new year. And it's kind of funny that um, we can... We can think, okay, 2020 is behind us. Now we're safe. Now we can, now we can make our plans. Now I, I know what's coming. Now I, no, I suspect, in fact, that what we're probably doing this year, we're approaching this year a little bit more biblically. If the Lord wills, I will do this or that. We got a little bit more of a sense of, I don't control every action of what's going on in my life. There's something, there's something greater than me going on, and I need to cooperate with that greater thing. You know, we started last year with 21 days of praying and fasting coming into the presence of God and just talking to him in a way that was sincere and meaningful. And as I look at last year, I wonder, I really wonder where we would have been as individuals and as a church without those 21 days of opening up our hearts and minds to the Spirit of God and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, Father God. I, I'm, I'm joining you in this journey. I, I just suspect that we handled things a little differently and a little better because, because God knew what was coming and he was preparing our hearts for what was ahead. Well, to kind of bring this all full circle, we enter January and once again, we're going to take 21 days to seek the face of God through praying to him and through fasting before him. We're not going to start today we're going to start a week from now. We're going to give you a little bit of lead time. And of course, that's important because like if I said, we're starting today at 1230, some of you would be like, man, our food's not going to be cooked quite by then. Uh, let's go home and just eat this thing raw. Come on, we got to get this in. Or, or oh no, we got a party this afternoon. What are we going to do? We want to give you a little bit of a chance to, to prepare so that it's a meaningful season uh, with the Lord our God. You know, it was years ago now that I read a couple of books. One, uh, was called uh, Good to Great, The Other Built to Last by Jim Collins, leadership guru. And in, in the book, he presents a concept. Some of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, it it's an acronym, the acronym BHAG. It always sounds kind of weird when I say it. He, he, he wants companies and individuals to set BHAGs. The, the G stands for goals. And he says, I, I, want you to, I want you to set a different kind of goal. I want you to set goals that are, that are big and hairy and audacious. Doesn't that sound kind of fun? I, I know some of you, some of you at work, your, your boss requires you to submit some goals. 
Whether it's quarterly or annually, you got to submit some goals. And I've talked to you. It's kind of funny. Those of you that have to, you hate the process. I mean, I love listening to you, just kind of all this angst about, uh, have to do this goal thing. And I know some of you game it a little bit, and you, you set these really safe goals. I, I can attain this no problem. Goals like, um, I'll go to work every day. Oh, good, I did that. Or, or, or goals like if you're in sales, uh, I'll make five sales calls this week. Knowing full well, you could make five sales calls this morning, but, but you want to make sure that you accomplish it. You set safe goals, goals that are small, manageable, smooth and easy. He says, oh no, you got you to go big, hairy, and audacious. You got to set some goals that are, that are so monstrous that there's, there's no way you could accomplish them, but, but it causes you to dream. It causes you to really push out there and do something that's outrageous. And, and, and it really, it's inspiring to you. Well, we're not going to take on a season of big, hairy, audacious goals but we are going to do some behaps during this season. We're, during our 21 days, we're going to pray a certain kind of prayers. So as we set out on this journey, and as you think about what is it, God, that I should be praying during this season, we're going to pray for three kinds of things in our prayers. The first is the word, not big. I didn't want to just use his words, you know, kind of go on, is it right to call a prayer hairy? I don't know. That, that, something about that seems weird. And a big prayer is good, but is there, is there something that's perhaps a, a more biblical reference? How about bold? Bold prayers. That we come, we come into the presence of God with a spirit of, of boldness, like we belong there. Like, like, like it's okay to be here in his presence. We, we come into his presence with boldness. The writer of the book of Hebrews, we, we don't know who the person is, but the writer says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. We are in a season that we need God's grace in abundance so we can, we can approach God with a sense of boldness, not, not a sense of cowering, not a sense of head down and, oh, I don't really belong here, sir, sir, is it okay to speak to you? No, we, we walk in as if we belong there. But you know, the, the broader paragraph tells us why we can enter God's presence with that sense of boldness. Starting in verse 14, we read, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, where he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Why am I able to enter the presence of God with boldness? Because of Jesus. It's not because of me. I don't walk in and say, Dennis here, God. You know, it's not about who I am or what I bring to the table. I walk into the presence of God because of who's with me. Jesus is with me. Jesus, Jesus gives me the authority to be standing before God. He's there pleading on, our, on my behalf and so I can enter his presence with head held high. And it's funny, I mentioned uh, Ben Mott this morning. He's a president of Green Lake Conference Center and he's, and he's a friend of ours as well. And long before work trips and, and all that sort of stuff, we just go up and, and stay for a few days up there at the conference center and enjoy being there. And, and, and from time to time, we would... We would go places on the property that you're not supposed to. 
You know, places that say things like uh, authorized personnel only or, you know, employees only. And we'd, we'd go walking through an area, and it's, and it's funny that, that as we'd be walking through that area, someone might look at us a little suspiciously. What did we say? We're friends of Ben. Oh, okay, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, pass on through. Yeah, we, we took advantage of it a little bit. We, but we walked through those spaces with boldness, not because I could say, hey, I'm me, I'm Dennis, but because I was able to say, the person who's my friend has given me permission, authority to be here. So we can enter God's presence with boldness, not because of what I bring to the table, but because Jesus is there with me. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Another reason we can approach with boldness is because we know we're already asking for what he desires. We're aligning our hearts with his. It's not as if we're coming into God's presence and saying, God, I want something that absolutely contradicts you, your desires, your character, your ways. We're coming in and saying, God, I want what you want. How can we not be bold when we already know that that's what God the Father desires? And so we can approach God with this sense of boldness. I don't know if you've ever known a a person of prominence in their field Maybe they were the president of the company or, or you know, someone that just, they had prominence in their field. Maybe not, maybe not nationwide or even statewide prominence, but, but they were prominent among, among the people you knew. When you watched their child interact with that person, they treat them like anyone else, right? They treat them like dad or mom. They, 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 don't, they don't treat them like, oh, this is a person to whom I should, I should pay some allegiance or respect. They, they're mom, they're dad. Jesus taught us to approach God with the words, Abba, Daddy. I, Dad, I'm, I'm coming to you. Father, I'm coming to you to speak to you. And in that, we, we come with this childlike sense of, of boldness into the presence of God, knowing that it's okay to be there. So we're going to be talking about Bold, a bold stance in prayer. Let's go on to the H. And it may sound like the exact opposite, but it's really not. And that's a stance of humility, being humble. So we're going to pray bold prayers, but also humble prayers. Because when it comes down to it, we know, again, like we've already said, I'm not standing here in the presence of God because of who I am. I'm standing here in the presence of God because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for me. I am a child of God because of what Jesus did for me. And so I approach God with a spirit of absolute humility. Let's go back to that child again. A child of a a prominent person just treats that person like dad. They just treat that person like mom, like a parent. At the same time, Jesus says, we not only approach God with the boldness of a child, but also the humility of a child. The disciples are talking in, in Matthew 18, and, and you know, they're, 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 always, they're always jockeying for position. They're always, who's number one among the 12? Who's, who's the best? Who's, they, they, they're self-promoters. They, they'd have done great in the social media era. I mean, they, they're great at saying, look at me, I'm number one. They come to Jesus and ask this question, and the question kind of blows my mind. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they're inferring, you know, among us, who's the greatest? They don't even, they don't even start by saying, Jesus, we know you're the greatest, but who's number two? 
They're, they're, they're still thinking the number one slot is open and they could take it. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus calls a little child, puts him among them. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like this little child, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So he's like, Let, we're not even talking greatest here. We're just talking, we're talking permission for entry. You're not, you're not even going to get in if you're not like this little child. But then he talks about what childlikeness is all about. He says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, we, we have this stance when we approach God that on one hand, it's head held high, and on the other hand, it's on bent knee. It's both. It's both, a, it's both a, a head held high that is able to be bold in the presence of God as well as on bended knee in humility. So that's the position of humility is the position of a child, the humility of a child. We also learn the perspective of humility through the, the prayer of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Look at those pronouns. Compare them to our, pro, our prayers. God, I want, I need, I this, I that, we, us. It, it, we are always focused on the receiver, so to speak. Jesus says, you come into the presence of God, our Father, your name, your kingdom, your will. And, and that perspective of humility really comes down to those words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Boldness doesn't walk into the presence of God and say, God, here's my list. You better get it done by 12. Bold and humble says, God, what you want, I want. I'm here to accomplish your holy will in this world. And so the prayers I'm bringing to you are bold prayers, but they're humble prayers, recognizing that perspective that you are God and I am not. You're in control. I am not. I'm here to cooperate with all of your holy will. So bold and humble are the two postures we take in this kind of prayer. Then I couldn't get around the word audacious because I really do believe God calls us to pray audaciously. Too many of us have become really safe in our prayers. Maybe we let down in prayer. Maybe we prayed and, and we didn't get the answer and we're like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm downsizing my prayers so that I get guaranteed results. I'm going I'm to, just, like just like my goals, I'm going to make them small enough, bite-sized enough so that they'll happen. When's the last time you prayed a truly audacious, out-there prayer? Something that you're like, God, if you don't show up, it's not going to happen. We just saw one, right? Joshua chapter 10. Here's Joshua praying to God, if you would just keep the sun in its spot for a few hours, we could finish our job. And, and again, we noted in this passage, he, this wasn't his morning devotional prayer. He didn't go, didn't go hide behind the barn. Lord, I got a prayer for you. He's in front of everybody, the whole body, the whole congregation. He's standing there. He says, God, please stop the sun dead in its tracks. And the passage tells us it stayed still in the middle of the sky. It did not set as on a normal day. It says there's never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. What kind of prayer? An audacious prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel on that day. God wants us to bring prayers to him that, that we're saying, God, I believe you can do this and I believe you want to do this. Audacious prayers. 
You go over to Acts chapter 3, the passage we asked you to read. Peter and John are going to the temple one afternoon. They're going to participate in the 3 o'clock hour of prayer. They approach the temple. There's a man who's been, who's been lame from birth. They, he's carried everywhere he goes. And they, they place him near the temple gate so that as people are coming in, he can ask them, he can ask them for money. I mean, you can almost imagine the scene walking in this morning. As you're walking in, someone's just standing at the door with a cup. Got some change? I'd, I'd just be glad, I'd be glad to have some change. There he is. Especially if that person was there week after week after week, you'd be kind of like, I don't know, maybe you'd strategize and start using this door, or, or maybe you'd make sure that you had a dollar ready to go or something. But you'd, you'd be aware of this person's presence. Peter and John were about to enter, and, and he says to them, guys, got some I need some help. You got something, anything? Can you help me out? It says, Peter and John looked at him intently. I love that. They stop and they just, they just lock in on him. And I have to wonder what's going through Peter's mind in that moment as he locks in on this man. He says to him, look at us. Look me in the eye. Look at us. And the lame man is like, oh man, I'm about to get a big gift. I mean, they, they're, they're paying attention. They're focused in. And he kind of gives him a letdown line. I don't have anything. Empty pockets. Got nothing. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus of the Nazarene, get up and walk. And the passage tells us that Peter took the guy by his right hand and picked him up. And as he did, his feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And then, I mean, this guy, he's unstoppable. He's like Griffey in the snow. He jumped. He stood to his feet. He began to walk. He's walking. He's leaping. He's praising God. And he walks into the temple with them. I mean, he is so excited. And there's a ruckus. And people are seeing this. And they look and they're like, wait a second. Isn't that the guy that was just laying by the temple gate? And now he's in here praising. And God, they realized that this is the guy they had seen. They were astounded. They all rushed out to meet him. And, and I love this. It says the man was, he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Just such incredible gratitude. What's the audacious prayer in this? What's the audacious prayer in this passage? I don't think it was the, the begging of the, of the lame man. I think it was the audacious perspective of Peter. I wonder if when he stopped and looked at that man intently, if he didn't hear the words of Jesus in his mind. If he didn't hear Jesus saying, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. I wonder if he didn't stop and just think, what would Jesus do if he was standing here right now? What would he do in this situation? What would he do for this man? Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. He had an audacity to be able to say, in the name of Jesus, this is what's going to happen. He prayed that audacious prayer. And so, and so we ask ourselves this morning, am I bold enough? Am I humble enough? Am I audacious enough to take Jesus at his word? Because that's what we're talking about doing here. It's not about me getting my list done. It's simply taking Jesus at his word. He said this is what he desires to do. Are we willing to join with him, partner with him in what he is wanting to do? And so for 21 days, we will pray bold, humble, and audacious prayers. 
And we'll do them in combination with fasting. For some of you, uh, last January was the first time you ever fasted, and it was a, it was a great experience. You, you learned some things about your connection with God. For others of you, this would be, this would be the very first time. So you're like, what's this fasting thing all about? How does it work? Well, let's say you Googled, why fast? What, what, what comes up? You know what's amazing? The first six entries have nothing to do with anything spiritual. They're all about the health benefits of intermittent fasting. You should, so here we are in a world already that's saying, Fasting's good for you. And, and we as Christians go, eh, not so much. No, come on. We know that it's not just about health benefits. It's about spiritual benefits. It's about enriching our relationship with God. And so we come to God and we fast. Why should we fast? I'll give you several reasons. One, it's an expression of sincerity. When's the last time you were willing to give something up for someone to show them how, mu how much you really meant what you were saying? said, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore to prove how sincere I am. That's what we do when we fast. We, we give up something we enjoy for a short season to say, God, I love this, but, but I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm bringing this prayer to you. And I need you to listen. I want you to listen. We come and express that sincerity. It's also a way of, of recognizing what Jesus said. Humans don't live by bread alone, but everything that comes from the mouth of God, every word from the mouth of God. Too many of us believe that we have to have pizza or we will die. We, we have to have our evening glass of Coke, or we will die. We have to have our morning cup of coffee, or we will die. Are you catching a theme here? So many things, we believe that, that they're essential for our survival. The only thing that is essential for your survival is Jesus. And so we push this thing aside to say, realize ourselves, I actually can live without it. But I can't live without God. I can't live without God. And in fact, in part, I think what happens when we fast, we take something that we enjoy or we love, and we say, but I love you more. I love you more. And so we push that thing aside for a little while. For us, it'll be 21 days. And you can choose what you might fast. Some, for most people, fasting involves food of some sort. Maybe it's giving up a particular kind of food for a season. You can't, you know, not going to do 21 days of no eating at all, so what can I do? I'm going to give up a particular kind of food. Last time we did this, we didn't eat meat for 21 days. That was an experience, especially as the person that cooks in the family. After a while, you're like, meat's everything, you know what I mean? The vegetables are just the color. I mean, come on, this is, uh, my whole meal is about the meat. And it, it, caused, it pushed me, even in, even in just preparing the meal to go, and think about what I was, why am I doing this? Oh yeah, we're fasting. So maybe it's giving up a particular kind of food. Maybe it's giving up a particular meal of the day. There's a meal that you're saying, I'm going to push that aside. Maybe uh, I, I did a, a full day fast. I like doing that from sunset to sunset, just like, just like they did in the Bible, you know, having that experience. But it might involve food. For some of you, uh, Health limits would not allow you to be able to go ahead and do a food fast. There's so many other things we can give up. 
There are so many other things we can push aside. For a lot of people, they've done social media. 21 days of, I'm not touching that thing. Maybe it's just pushing away devices or something else that, that matters to you and you say, you know what, for this season, I'm not going to do that. Maybe there's an activity that you do with regularity and you're like, I got to have this. Maybe it involves screens. I don't know. Whatever it is, but, but you'd say for this season, as an expression of sincerity, as an expression of I love you more, as a way of teaching myself, I really don't need this as much as I think, I'll push that thing aside. So it's in combination praying these bold, humble, audacious prayers and giving something, pushing something aside for 21 days. So in preparation, uh, we wanted to give you the week because I think, that, I think that if something like this is going to be meaningful for a season, you don't just jump in mindlessly. You think through, where are we going with this? What will it look like? And so the first thing I'd ask you is to take the next week to ask the simple question, what will I pray? What prayer do I need to bring to God that is bold and humble and audacious? Not something that's just a whim, but something you're saying, God, I, I want to make sure that I want to bring to you a sun stand still in the sky kind of prayer to bring glory to you. What will it be? And maybe that'll involve not just, not just your prayer, but maybe you'll talk to a spouse or family or a friend and say, what what should we be praying? What are a couple of things that we could be praying for during this season? Next question will be, who's going to pray with me? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with them. Who else might join with you in this prayer partnership? Whether it's the people in your household or the people in this household, how can we join together in prayer? What will I give to God? What's, what's the fast going to be for me personally? For our household, what, what, is, what are we going to do? And how will it work? Uh, you do need to think through this, right? Because, I mean, for example, for us, this is the second year we're doing this in January. Kim's birthday is January 23rd. Both years, here we are, comes to her birthday and like, here's your crust of bread and glass of water. Have a great birthday. Here's a candle too. What, how are you going to handle, if you have a, a normal celebration that falls in these 21 days, how are you going to handle that? Coworker at work, I promise you, nobody ever asks you out to lunch until you're fasting. And then every day, new friends, come on, let's go out. And what are you going to do? No, I'm fasting. I can't. How are you going to handle that? Be prepared. Know, kind of know your schedule and how is this going to work as we go along? We're going to provide you some tools along the way. Last year we had a booklet. We, a lot of you expressed great, great appreciation for the daily email that we did. So we're going, to, we're going to take that approach this year where you'll get a, a daily message, a theme that we're working through, a verse to focus on. We're going to have a check-in space, a place that if you want to, you can come and, and write about how your experience is going and other people can respond to that. And along the way, we want to offer a couple of, a couple of gathering moments, times that we can come together and, and pray together over the, over the prayers uh, that we have. So I hope you'll join me in this. You know, I was talking to Shelly yesterday. Uh, I, apparently people are, there's a little uh, fun going on right now that 20... 21 is really 2020, W-O-N, 1, 2021. 2020 did not win. It did not win. Jesus wins every time. We're on his team. We're on his team. And so as we, as we come into 2021, we once again need a season of approaching him boldly and humbly.
and saying, what is it? What is it that you want to accomplish in your world? We want to be with you in it, Lord Jesus. So I thought a good way to, to kick off our time of preparation is to share our spiritual meal. If you go ahead and take communion in your hand, and if you didn't get that as you came in the door, there's some at the side tables, some, some up front on the black tables. There's gluten-free on the side tables along the wall. You can go to that if you need to. But you take out the bread, and bread, I tell you what, bread, when you think about it, bread is the, it's the fundamental of life, Right? Every, every society has, has bread as a staple. And here's Jesus, and, and, he, and, he, and he tells his disciples and tells us, bread, you don't live by bread alone. You live by what comes from the mouth of God. We survive on far more than the physical things that we put into our bodies. Jesus is that bread for us. His body was broken and hung on a cross, in order that we might experience eternal life. He is truly the only food we need. Let's partake of the bread together. Lord Jesus, we express our, our gratitude to you as the life-sustaining bread that we take into our souls. We are grateful, God, we are ever so grateful that Jesus obeyed you, Father, and came and gave his life, gave his body, so that we could have eternal life. Help us more and more real to realize that all the things in this world that we think we need, we don't need them as much as we need Jesus. Now if you'd open the cup. As I open it, I hear the words of Jesus saying, I thirst on the cross. I thirst. Do you thirst? Do you have within you an unquenchable desire? One that, just a spiritual dryness that you, mm, a longing. It can only be quenched by Jesus. Every drop of blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could live a new life in God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life and your blood. Let's drink the cup together. And so, Lord Jesus, as we move into this focused season of commitment to you, I pray that you will open our eyes to the bold, humble, audacious prayers that you want us to bring into your presence. I pray that we'll be ready to learn the lessons you have to teach us. Our ears would be wide open, our hearts would be attentive, and that we would learn spiritual lessons that can only be learned in times that we push something aside in order to pull you closer. Let those lessons be learned as individuals and as a church, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we're going to join together in a, in a song that, that gives witness and testimony to a very fundamental fact, and that is that God is good. He is good. He is, he is good in His nature and character, and He does good things all the time. 
for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So if you'd go ahead and stand with us, we're going to sing of the goodness of God.
I hope it's your prayer that by the end of your days, you will be able to express that with all sincerity. All my life, you've been faithful, you've been good. And you know what? While you may not be the best singer in all the world, your life needs to sing that song. It needs to sing that song constantly to others. There are a lot of people walking around right now and they can see nothing but the bad, nothing but everything that's going wrong. We are people that bring a different perspective. We bring a different perspective. We can see not the good, we can see the good. We can see God himself. Even in something like snow. I have learned that once you're not 18 anymore, or once you're past 18, snow goes from something fun to play in to, to work, right? Ugh, work. But think of a God perspective on snow. Walk out this morning, look at the trees, and hear those words. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. See the purity of it and the message of God being spoken to you today. So go play in the snow. Have a great day. We'll see ya.